Please pray with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have revealed the Father to us because you are both intimate with the Father and intimate with us. We now are part of your family and we can enjoy the blessings of that relationship. Lord, I pray that this morning in our hearts you would renew that relationship in us and that we would be filled with the blessings of knowing you and being known by you, of being loved by you and being people of that love towards one another and those who do not yet know that they are part of your flock. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Today is Christ the King Sunday. It's actually the culmination of an entire liturgical year. And um, the church calendar is a little bit different from the secular calendar. And actually, it starts anew next Sunday. And so this is sort of a pivot Sunday. It's a, uh, a Sunday when we shift our weight from the year that's gone by and celebrating the harvest and all the goodness that uh, are the fruits of that year. And you can think about this from the agrarian point of view, right? I mean, we've just had Thanksgiving. There's a lot that's come to completion and we feel that in our bellies. <laughs> and sometimes we actually get a little sleepy when that happens too, which I think speaks to part of what God wants to do. I think he wants to wake us up to the kingdom and the life of the kingdom that he wants us to shift into away from the weight of a kingdom that's not of God and into his kingdom, which is a conquering kingdom. It's a kingdom full of life and power and love which is that reality that overcomes sin and death and fear. He wants us to shift into that kingdom. He's asking us to shift our gravity from here to there. And he does it in a very unique way and does it in a very relational way, in a very intimate and relational way. His kingdom is not of this world. It's quite, quite different. And so I want to encourage us this morning to begin to make that shift I want to encourage us this morning to lean into the heart of Jesus. Um, that, to me, is central to the kingdom of God. It's all out of his heart. It's out of his loving heart, the Father's love that the Son was begotten and then given, and out of his love that we are born again from above and that we have this life in love. That is the heart that he wants us to lean into. That's the heart that he wants our hearts to be centered in. It starts with the heart. In fact, I'm so convinced that this the importance of this central way of being as a Christian that our entire next year is dedicated to this. The heart-to-heart -heart relationship that we are called to and that's particularly um, talked about and taught in the Gospel of John and in the Apostle John's letters. He's known as um, the beloved disciple or the beloved apostle. So this entire next year, we're going to be looking at the way of John because I feel like John captures something that's really central to what it means to be a Christian. And his strategy, by the way, which he gets from Jesus, is utterly different from the world's strategy for how a kingdom exercises its authority and its power and how it wins the day in victory. Completely different. And John is a special point of view. It's an interior and very personalized personal, relational point of view. 
And he continues that even after Jesus ascends. It becomes a very deeply contemplative, spiritual, personal, relational point of view, even with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. In the spirit, that relationship of intimacy continues in John. It's very personal, very relational, and he continues to say, lean into the heart of Jesus. The wonderful way that he depicts Jesus, in fact, is that Jesus himself leans into the heart of the Father. And what do we know about John is that he leans into the heart of the Lord. Heart-to-heart relationship is at the center of a life that is beautiful, is fruitful, is ultimately victorious over the things that we actually feel oppressed by and exhausted by. I actually think we're at a really critical point in the life of the church right now, and I, and I guess I want to say this particularly about the church in the, in the West, in the Western world. I think we're in a crisis. I think we're in a crisis of being anemic. I think we are ineffectual. I don't think that we are connected to the purposes of the kingdom that are transformative. I don't think that our witness is really that powerful. I believe it will be. And I believe that the Lord wants us to purchase that witness with the way of the heart, to buy that gold refined by fire. I think some of our brothers and sisters who are being martyred right now around the world, they're bearing powerful witness to a kingdom that is stronger than death. But what's going on with us? And what are we going to do about it? We're in trouble. We have lost our higher purpose as a church. We have lost our ability to effectively bear witness to the one who is the true and faithful witness to the Father's love and the power of his kingdom, which is different. We have lost our ability to reflect the same in the world and to shine that transforming light. What's our, what's our, our motto, by the way, here at this church, our, our mission? We want to reflect the light of Christ's love, his hope and healing in this area. We want to reflect the kind of light that is so loving that people are drawn in. They're so full of hope that no matter what the despair is, that people have a brightness in their eyes and they can endure. We want them to be healed from their brokenness. Are we there yet? No, we are not. And the church at large in the West is not there. What are we going to do? I think this is, in fact, what the Father's love is speaking to us right now. You see this in Revelation. It's because he loves us that he actually would make such a harsh statement. I know I probably sound a little bit harsh but it's because he loves us that he would reprove and discipline us in this way. He's saying that, you know, your works, they're, not, they're neither hot nor cold. I would, oh, I'm just going to spit out these works that are of no use. It's making no difference. They're not refreshing. They're not slaking thirst. They're not purifying waters. And that's a problem. It's a real problem. But the reason he's saying it to us because he doesn't want to leave us 
with that problem unsolved. He actually wants to spark life back into us. Even there, there's a picture of all of these churches, their witness is, is like a star in the hand of an angel. It's like a, a flame on a torch. And he does not want that candle to go out. He does not want that light to be dimmed. He wants to brighten it. And that's why he's saying what he's saying right now. He wants us to become a flame and bright with a powerful witness again. He wants us to regain our saltiness. Our ability to bear witness powerfully in this generation, in this culture even. And part of what we need to come out of is the fact that we're okay. That's one of the things that Jesus says to the church at Laodicea, which I feel speaks well to our culture. We actually think we have enough power and enough wisdom and enough insight, and we even are convinced that probably because we have enough information, we're going to be fine. We have enough technology, we're going to be fine. And we're worse off than we ever have been in a sense partly because we think we're okay. We're not okay. When we begin to think we're okay in and of our own resources, we don't realize how impoverished we actually really are. We don't realize how naked and utterly ineffectual and unable to live we really are. When we are thinking that we are fine and we are thinking that we're okay, And so that's one of the first things is just to receive the word and understand that we're not okay the way we are. How does he put it in this note to the church of Laodicea? You think you're rich, you think you're prospered, you're not. You're poor, you're blind, you're naked. And so I'm counseling you to buy gold or find by fire so that you may be rich. He wants us to be rich in the true wealth of the kingdom, and wear white garments to clothe ourselves and to anoint our eyes to see. He does it because he loves us. And so he says, be zealous and repent. That's a strong word, be zealous. He's trying to awaken that flame of intensity. Be zealous and repent. Don't just be okay with thinking you're okay. Don't be okay with that. You should be charged up right now. You should be feeling some of the dissatisfaction with the fact that things are just blah right now and the church is not having an effectual witness in this world right now. He wants us to be zealous in the face of that really blah kind of like, I want to spit that out reality. Don't be content with that and repent. In other words, transform your mind, transform your heart. Be changed. And starts with being discontent with the way things are. But it moves pretty quickly from there to something that's, I think, beautifully relational. Beautifully relational. What's the image he when he begins to unpack what, what he's asking us to do, he's saying, I'm, I'm actually standing at the door of your home and I'm knocking. This is my solution. I'm presenting it to you. I'm standing at the door of your home and the doors of your own tabernacle, of your own soul, if you will. And I'm asking to come in and relate to you. If you want to be zealous and repent in such a way that the church begins to be effectual again, the first thing that you need to do is to hear him knocking and to hear his voice and then open the door to him. 
so that he can come in and commune with you and connect to you. I had a, um, a, an interesting dream like a week ago or so. It was, um, I think it was, uh, I've been thinking a lot about the breakdown of the family in this culture and um, there's a lot of different ways that's been expressed. The African-American family has really been hit hard. And so in this particular dream, um, I, had a, I had a dream of uh, a family. It happened to be an African-American family, and I think the Lord was just using the symbolic furniture of my mind, right? And he's using that to convey something. And uh, in this dream, this African-American family had somehow been hit with a they were attacked with a, a, a disease or a poison or a, a curse or something that caused them to forget that they were a family. To cause them to forget that they were a mom and a dad and children with brothers and sisters. And, um, and then I just saw them kind of disperse out of their house and go their separate ways. And I realized at that moment that one of the most important things that you could do is to encourage them to stay together. Actually, to stay together somehow in relationship. To stay together somehow in their home. That place where they might have reminders of who they really are and how they really are a family, a father, a mother, and children. And they needed to stay together. I felt like the first thing they needed to realize in order to be healed, and I felt the promise of healing, but I knew that we were in a moment, a pivotal moment where the word needed to be heard, keep them together. Let them be in relationship. Stay in relationship so that you will know who you are. I think in a way, um, I'm I'm just going with what I think the Lord is impressing upon me. I think in a way what the Lord is saying is stay in relationship with me. Stay connected to the family and the story and the higher purpose of being part of this family of God. Stay in communion with me. In fact, you need to renew that. In some ways, you've isolated yourself from this because you think you're okay, and now you need to renew it and be feasting with me again in a connected way. I want you to remember who you are. I want you to be children of light, of the Father of lights. And so he's saying, relate to me. Come in. Let me come in, and I'll eat with you, and you eat with me, and we will be once again a family. There's a little um, story that came across this week that I thought was particularly poignant. It was, um, you guys remember that, um, that teen star, uh, David Cassidy? He's from my youth. He was in the Partridge family. And um, when I was growing up, he was like one of those guys, along with a few others, like Leif Garrett. You thought, man, those guys got it all. <laughs> you know, they were, they were handsome. They were famous. They were singers. They were idols of all the girls, you know. And um, he was one of those guys. And uh, he passed away this week at 67. And uh, his daughter, who had been estranged from him for many years, said um, that his last words were so much wasted time. And what she knew him to be talking about was the fact that he did not stay in these relationships of love. And he did not 
continue to live that first of all. He talked a lot about having been distracted so much by these worldly things. The things that we think are important. He's constantly going out on tour. It's just like what I had shared a few weeks ago from Steve Jobs, isn't it? So much wasted time. And I want to I wanna say that with us, this way of relating, it, it's worth our time. It's really worth our time. And one way the enemy gets at us not being in relationship is by constantly sucking away our time into things that aren't connected to relating to him or relating to one another. It's worth our time. It means it's worth us coming every time we have the opportunity to have communion so that we can sup with him in this particular way that we will be doing later this morning. It's worth our time. It's beautiful. It's the thing that will last. I'm trying to um, encourage us to become deeply committed to relational realities, and our entire next year is gonna be committed to that. First of all, our relationship with Jesus. It's a deeply personal relationship. It's not just about information. We can bear effective, truthful witness in an informational way and still not touch the world and touch the world in such a way that people actually meet Jesus. I think, by the way, this is one of the problems with just relying upon the media or social network or taking positions. It's just information. We do this all the time on Facebook. I see it a lot. And what ends up coming across is just information, sometimes vindictive and revengeful information, an exercise of power in the way of the world. And it's not transformative. In fact, all it does is just solidify the tribes that all of us are in, and we are not bearing effective witness. So how do we do that? It comes back to us being relationally transformed in connection to Jesus, communing with him, being in constant communion with him, the way Jesus was. This is so meaningful to John, by the way. John took Mary into his house. He made it relational. It was relational for him. In fact, it was probably, the upper room was probably even owned by him. It was his home that hosted the disciples most likely when he leaned his head into the Lord. It was very relational. And so what I want to say to us is, like, I want to first of all encourage us at home. Make your home a place of relationship. Don't continue to let the TV and smartphones dominate. Be with one another. Lean into one another in love. Listen to one another. Look at one another. A lot of times when we do that, we are listening and looking at Jesus. He says as much. If you've done it to least of these, you've done it to me. There's, there's this reflexive reality, relational reality. And I want to encourage us to do that in prayer as well. My main idea today is I want to begin to have you shift your weight. From where you've been, I don't know where you've been. Are you shifting, are you having to shift your weight from a lot of distractions like David Cassidy? He had a lot of distractions in his life. A lot of really tempting and attention-demanding distractions. What are those attention-demanding, time-sucking distractions in your life? I want you to lean away and shift your weight from there and lean your weight into the side of the Lord. Lean into his heart and begin to listen there. Listen to his words. Do it in prayer. Do, do it in regular prayer. 
I want to encourage you too, we'll be doing this in Advent on the midweek, on Wednesday mornings at my house, we'll be doing a, a special communion uh, before the workday starts. That's a way that you can really begin to shift your weight too and to do it together. Mostly I don't know how you're supposed to shift your weight and I feel like I'm at the beginning of a year-long adventure about what it means to be related to Jesus and what it means to be heart-to-heart connected to Jesus. And I just want to begin to encourage you to begin shifting your weight from whatever those things are to those things that are really precious and most important. Stop wasting your time. Be together. Be together with Jesus. Be together in love. Be together with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, at the outset of a year that's dedicated to a heart-to-heart connection with you. I realize that there's a lot that I don't even know, and so I can't telegraph right now what you have prepared for us. But I do know this, that when we are deeply connected to you, that everything happens that needs to happen. Lord, I pray that you would renew in us a a real intense, zealous desire to be with you, to be intimate with you, to not go um, through any day or any hour without renewing that reality. Lord, I really do pray that you put your finger on the things that we need to shift our weight away from so that we can lean with our full weight into your heart. Lord, I know there are things we're depending upon and we actually think we're okay because they seem to suffice. We think we're okay and the the fact is that we aren't conquering and you want to renew that victory life in us. And the only way we have a real center of gravity is by leaning completely into you. That's when the witness becomes burning bright. Lord, I just confess how much I need you and how much we need you. That we really are poor. That we really are naked. That we really don't have the wisdom that we need. We don't know how to speak and bear true and faithful witness in love. So Lord, I am asking you to do a deep work in our hearts. That we would be transformed in a very intimate heart-to-heart, continuous connection to you, feasting upon every breath you breathe into us, every word you whisper to us. And we ask this for the the glory of your kingdom, that it will be manifest in us and bring great glory to you and a lot of love and a lot of hope and a lot of healing to the world. We pray this in your holy name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.